Scientific Solutions to Every Problem Science is vastly underrated or has become so. It was not always this way. When it was considered to be a way to understand the mind of God, great expectations were held as to its promise. But as science became more secular and more focused on confirming the physicality of reality, this optimism faded. It no longer was even considered to be the search for truth. Truth was not considered to be something one could find using the experimental method, so it was discarded as a goal or purpose. The best the modern scientist hoped to find was greater predictability. This required greater accuracy in measurements. Understanding was not deemed a possible outcome. If we could not understand why things were as they were, at least we could discover how things came to be. Science turned from being a way to understand God to being a way to trace causal chains. We learned to focus on what occurred prior to the event under observation. Therefore, there was no longer anything called an absolute truth in science. There were no right answers in the absolute sense. All answers were conditional, open to interpretation and re-evaluation and valid only in context. Science became composed of statements that described an observation in accurate but an extremely targeted fashion. If the observation was expressed as an equation of contained mathematical elements, all the better. Science, it was said, began to know more and more about less and less, as it fractured into an infinite number of highly specialized focus groups. But there are no numbers in reality. Even as science became more secular, it became more abstract. The more scientists searched for physical reality, the more analytical became the research. The more analytical became the research, the less the research seemed to relate to what people thought of as reality. The gap between the hard science and those of the humanities widened. The hard science became more dependent on mathematics and the soft ones remained narrative and anecdotal. The hard sciences talked about ideas in the most abstract of ways, whereas the soft talked about human events in ever more emotional terms. The lack of objectivity made it more obvious that the subjectivity of the humanities was geared towards the primary voices of science, these being white. This focus on white people infuriated those who had little or nothing to do with science. And so new studies in fields of research were developed with an intentional non-white subjectivity and bias. This was not meant to make the humanities more objective. The opposite was intended and accomplished. The new humanities are unashamedly biased, subjective and devoid of any rigor or objectivity. The black sciences are geared solely to assuage the emotional grievances of a race that felt excluded. The soft sciences, especially the ones created to provide an outlet for the culture of grievances, consists of little more than opinion pieces. Most of these are designed in one way or another, to degrade the importance of the white perspective. Black studies are almost hit pieces designed to get revenge for years of exclusion from science. What is now labeled white science is what used to be science. The new intersectional view of science resulted in divorcing researchers from accountability or verifiability. Validity in the new studies only requires the black experience be validated. The scientific method cannot be applied to black studies, as the scientific method itself is considered white. It might be considered a given. Not everything can be quantified. But quantities are not physical. There is no material object that can be scientifically verified to be a number. It is a number because we say so as in our usage and definition. Nor is there an actual, inch or mile or degree of temperature, in nature. These things are analytical and artificial. The units of measure were all cleverly devised by human beings. They exist as an act of the human will.
Numbers exist as an act of faith. The different metrics devised by men are ingenious but not objectively real. There is no objective reason why numbers and quantities ought to exist. Nothing in nature justifies a meter being the length it is. If anything, numbers are imposed on nature. Numbers manifest man's dominion over the natural world. So, in fact, science is a highly stylized and artificial environment. It is invented and developed largely by a process of circular reasoning and maintained using a process of self-validation. Nothing in the physical sciences tells us anything about right and wrong or about the right way to live. Truth is not a component of the physical world. The humanities give us some guidance as to what is good for us, but the opinions given are invariably, the opinions of men and therefore subjective and biased. Different cultures all have different opinions on how to dress and interact with different social groups. Nature tells us nothing. Meaning has to be attached to the world by a human being with an agenda. A storm is a storm simply because it exceeds the threshold of what we think weather ought to be like. As it stands, physical science tells us how to make things. The algorithms of science are guidelines for the production of desirable outcomes. But still, there seems to be a lot that science cannot tell us. For example, how do we eliminate unemployment? What steps must we take to end poverty? Why must we endure taxation? The real question is, why can't science tell us how to live? Capitalism and communism are two economic theories that tell us how wealth is best created and how best to allocate it. Capitalism is based on private ownership and communism centers ownership on the state. Neither theory works very well nor produces results their inventors expected. Adam Smith was, at least, more honest about his topic than was Marx. But then if one is arguing that greed is a desirable trait, one is not likely to be beguiled by the character of capitalists. To measure length, science creates a precise movement. This movement precisely measured is called an inch. This is a creative act, an act of the will. It brings information into existence that never existed prior to this. It imposes order on an otherwise unpredictable reality. To create a thermometer, a movement is recorded due to a temperature change. This is done in a way that is replicable and this change due to the application of heat is declared to correspond to one degree rise in temperature. Science is adept at creating replicable events, this includes events that produces standards used in measurement systems. But how do we take this same precision and apply it to the humanities? This might not be something most people would consider feasible, but consider this, what if humanity could be shown to have a direction or vector? What if humanity had a purpose, and this purpose was scientifically demonstrable? Could this vector not be quantified? A social index would be tied to the behavior that forms civilization. The measure would track activity that trended relative to the purpose of man. We are taught that we need money to get things done. We understand that when things are accomplished in the way intended, this work creates value. We call the activity that businesses do, adding value. Things have value but work adds even more value to the substrate worked on. The natural world provides us with a starting point. We can call the state of nature the opening balance of our accounts. It is from this point we determine the value of any work done. To put this another way. If we say the natural world represents point zero, then all added value would be zero plus the net value of the work done. This value is calculated by determining gross value minus expenses to arrive at net income. Incidentally, this also gives us the value of labor. 
In other words, capital minus expenses equals equity. The world, which is expressed as zero in accounting, is composed of assets. These do not belong to us, they are gods, so we do not consider them capital. The work we do in transforming capital into something useful, or with value, requires work. Work has value because work adds value. This added value comprises equity. Equity is expressed as preferred shares, and the value of the preferred shares represents points or units on a scale. When someone works, they transform assets. That is how work is defined. When assets are transformed by work, value is added to the world's capital. This value added is expressed as equity. Equity can be quantified using preferred shares. This would then serve as a currency. The currency becomes a way to measure the value of the work done. For example, if labor is paid at a rate of 20 preferred shares per hour, we have a way to quantify work in terms of its value. Preferred shares become units of a measuring system. As a currency preferred shares could be contracted to prefers and indicated by the symbol. Thus, to develop a solution to poverty, we would create ways for the unemployed to add value to the world's assets. This program would not be done as before, in a subjective way guided by the subjective values of a few rich men or powerful politicians. The job would not be determined by individual wants, but by the objective determination of value added to assets. Because we are working within the dominion system, instituted by God, those who need work would have access to assets, or capital. There are no gatekeepers, in the dominion system. No one and no agency exists to direct you towards activity that is profitable to them, but not necessarily an activity that adds value to the assets being worked on. In the Babylonian system assets are owned. If you want to work and indeed, survive, you have to pander to the wishes of a gatekeeper.